We need to love everybody. And if we show love to people, God, God overflows our hearts with love every day. I don't deserve his love, but I'm so thankful for it. And we have a love in this place, don't we, with one another. It's good to be here with you guys. Let's bow for a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the word tonight. Dear Lord, I thank you so much just for another opportunity to stand here, Lord. I'm honored to be here, and I thank you for the family that we have here, Lord, and at Bible Baptist Church, God. And Lord, we thank you for the listeners that, that aren't here with us tonight, God, that you be with them, whatever the need might be in their life, God. Be with us, God, that we will hear your word, that we'll practice your word, Lord, in our lives each and every day. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it is pretty bad, though, when you have the words in front of you and you still forget the words. I've got the Bible in front of me. Let's hope I don't forget the words of the Bible. But if you have your Bibles with you tonight, I'd like for you to turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We'll get into the scripture here in just a minute, but I want to share with you a, a story. Tonight, the sermon is entitled Connections. And I went to, to church camp, kids camp, and that was our theme for the week was connect and how Brother Steve was talking about how every story has a connection and every connection has a story. I want to follow through with that a little bit because every connection we have is an opportunity to connect somebody to the Lord. And our first connection before we can, uh, can lead others to know what love is all about is to know God and, and His love and to, to let Him into our hearts. But I want to talk to you, before we get into the message, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Before we jump into the, the message, let me tell you this story. There's a guy, and you may have, have heard of his name before. His name's Mark Wellman. And Mark Wellman, he's a, an author, a filmmaker, and a mo- motivational speaker. But he's best known for something that happened in 1989. In 1989, now he had climbed different mountains before, but this one, he he had embarked on a journey to climb El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. And this big uh, granite facing was 3,000 feet high. And he accomplished that in 1989. And And a lot of people considered that an amazing accomplishment. I find it an amazing accomplishment just to make it up the hill at home sometimes. But anybody else with me on that? But this guy, he climbed a mountain 3,000 feet high, sheer granite wall. But the, the, the thing about that was, seven years before he did that, at age 21, he was climbing another mountain in the Nevadas. He fell a thousand feet off the mountain, injuring his spine. He became, and this is what's amazing, he became the first paraplegic to climb El Capitan. So in 1989, he had no use of his legs. All he had was the use of his arms. And he pretty much did pull-ups all the way. But the cool thing about it was, 
he had a friend. His name was uh, Mike Corbett. It doesn't say a whole lot about Mike Corbett. He didn't get the full notary of it because of the situation with Mark. But the way it, it's, it was worded, and you can look this up on the internet, it took them a course of six days to climb the mountain. And how it worked out was Mike would carry all the equipment, he would go up and secure the ropes, and then he would go down and help Mark get up, and they would inch up over those six days till they finally reached the top. And when they reached the top, there was no way to have a wheelchair up there to get him over. So Mike carried him on his back. So basically, Mark said that Mike climbed that mountain twice to help him get up that mountain one time. Now, I say this, I'm not trying to take away from this extraordinary event. But what I want you to realize is Mark and Mike had a connection. They both were climbers. They, they had that love for, for climbing mountains. And when, when him and Mark got to talking, realized that Mark wasn't able to do what he used to do, they came up with a system to where they could go out and they could climb that mountain. Ten years later, they climbed another part of that mountain that was supposed to have been harder, not as long. I think it was 2,200 feet. High, and it's called the nose of the, of the mountain, and said they, they did it again. They made it up that part. And I just, in my research for that, uh, Mike passed away uh, not long ago. He was 65 at the time. But he had a love for people, and he had a connection with Mark. And that's what I wanted to talk about. That connection with, with him, with Mike and Mark, it's what led them to do something extraordinary. Something that Mark could not have done on his own. But you know, that was just a stepping stone for Mark. Because he went out to do more incredible things. Look him up, uh, and you can see what some of the things that he's done. And again, he's a motivational speaker, so he doesn't let what some, what some would see as a handicap, he doesn't let that hold him back from doing what he loves. And the love that Mike showed to help him has led him to go and help others. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about tonight. Amazing story. You know, when we hear songs all the time, there's a song on, the, on K-Love, Contemporary Christian Song. You guys may have heard it before. Anybody ever hear of the guy named Danny Gokey? Anybody hear of him before? Danny Gokey, he's a good singer. He was on one of the... American Idol or one of them at, at one time, but he gave his heart to, to singing Christian music. And this one song, I'm not going to sing the song, so don't get scared. You don't have to get up. I, did, I messed up on the other one. I'm not going to try another one tonight. But, but he sings a song, and this is the title of it. Love God and love people. And let me read you the course. Got to keep it real simple. Keep it real simple. Bring everything right back to ground zero. Because it all comes down to this. Love God and love people. We're living in a world that keeps breaking. But if we want to find the way to change it, it all comes down to this. And what do you think it comes down to? Love God, love people.
Well, you know what? This is nothing new. Because God in His Word teaches us that we are to love Him and to love others. And Brother Charles brought this out. You know, I got to listen to your message and I thought, oh no, we preached the same, the same one, Brother Charles. But, so I thought, that's why I thought maybe you were preaching again tonight. <laughs> Danny's not here, so we can't put him on the spot. But uh, one of the verses that he started out with I want us to go back to it. You don't have to turn there. But Matthew 22 was the scripture verse that he gave, verses 36 through 39. And I think this is the NIV version of it here. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like, love your neighbor as yourself. So what we find out in these scriptures is that God wants us to make connections. The first and most important connection is that we come to know Him and to love Him. And once we know God, once we know Jesus and we have Him in our life, we can connect with other people better. Now that doesn't mean that you're just going to be out and be able to to win everybody over. Because not everybody can... I can't reach some people that you can reach, and vice versa. But God has somebody in each of our lives that we can connect to. There's things that we can relate to with other people that build relationships together that allow us to connect to them. And when we connect to them, we can connect them to God. Amen? We can connect them to God. So let's read and let's just go to this uh, scripture here. Mark chapter 2. starting in verse 1. We're going to read through the first 12 verses here, so so bear with me here. I need to get a large print Bible, I think, because I like this Bible because I can find the scriptures with the thumb index, but I can't read it. Hank, I can't read as good as I, I used to. I think that's why they made audio Bibles. But how do you follow along with that when you're trying to share it with, I don't know, maybe share the earbud? I don't. Anyway, here we go. Let's get into the word. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sons be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, He saith to the sick of the palsy, 
I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We we never saw it on this fashion. Now that was King James Version. If I refer back to it, I'm going to go to a different version, but I wanted to share with you the King James version of this. If you're taking notes tonight, I'm going to go ahead and give you the sermon in a nutshell, and then we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about four connections tonight. Personal connection, and you have to bear with me, give me a little uh, leeway here, because I wanted to keep the words the same. So, personal connection, the pal connection, or friendship, but pal, people connection, and a persistent connection. So personal, pal, people, persistent. Keep that in mind. So let's first look at a personal connection with Jesus. Because if we are going to have connections with others, like, a, like we just talked about, we have to have that connection with Jesus Christ. We have to know him and, and have that personal relationship with him. Just like we said, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So once you look with me in, in Mark here, it mentions some men came. Some men came, there were four of them. They, they brought this friend that they had, and they were bringing him to Jesus. And then it says, Jesus... Again, I may have said this already, but it says, Jesus saw their faith. At some point in these four men's lives, Jesus made an impact to them. I don't know exactly what it would have been, but aren't we the same way? When something special happens to us, we want our friends to know. And, and I believe that this is what is taking place here. They've heard about Jesus healing all these other people, all these sicknesses. And then we find these men, they had faith to know that if they could get their friend to Jesus, if they could connect their friend to Jesus, that Jesus would change their life. Now, Brother Rodney, Brother Rodney Griffiths, wrote a song. One of my favorite songs that Greater Vision does called Lazarus. And he uses, he, he asks for some leeway as well with these four men that may have carried this mat with the paralyzed man on it. I'm not going to sing that song either, so you're okay. But let me read some of, of the words that he wrote, and then we'll talk about it. Now, we don't know much about the men that carried the corners of the, his tattered bed that day. But if we can create an illustration, we'll see what these men might have had to say. Suppose the first man said, I hate to doubt it, for Jesus touched my eyes when I was blind. He made me see, and there's no doubt about it. But this man's needs are more serious than mine. Suppose that second man, no need to bother. 
This man's condition will remain the same. Though Jesus touched my hand when it was withered, I don't believe he can heal a man so lame. Suppose that third man said, I hate to question, but no one here is more skeptical than me. Though Jesus cleansed me when I was a leper, this helpless man will never walk, you see. Then every eye turned to the fourth man to see how he might criticize and doubt. But all three men were startled with amazement when the fourth man stopped and said his name out loud. He said, my name is Lazarus. Could I testify? My name is Lazarus. It feels good to be alive. When I in chains of death was bound, this man named Jesus called me out. If you think your little problem is too big for him to solve, take it from the one who's heard the mighty voice of God. A living testimony of his death-defying touch. What was his name? My name is Lazarus. Now, we're not talking about Lazarus. But we did in previous sermon, we talked about how God had healed him. God had brought him back from the dead. And I'm not saying that that's true. You know, this is just an illustration, okay? I'm not saying that's what happened with these four men. Because the, the leopard was cleansed before they brought this man to Jesus. Right before it in the scriptures, it talks about him healing the leper. The lame man's hand was cured after this story. But the point is, is that Jesus went about touching and healing all kinds of people before this paralyzed man. And don't you think it would be so special just to think that friends loved someone enough that they were willing to take him up, carry him to Jesus, so that Jesus could do the same for him? It doesn't have to be somebody that was blind but can see. It doesn't have to be somebody that was a leper and is cleansed or had a hand that was withered. And you don't see very many people coming back from the dead, but God still moves. God, if we're connected to God, if we're in a relationship with God, God still touches our lives. He changes our lives. How many of y'all have ever been sick and you know for a fact God did the healing? Amen, right? You know, doctors don't give you much hope sometimes. But it's amazing when a doctor says, you know what, we've done all we can do, but that's not all that can be done. When they actually turn their faith, they show their faith and they say, we have a God that can. God can move in people's lives. How do I know that? Because He's moved in mine. Has He moved in yours? Of course He has. We would not be here worshiping Him tonight if God hadn't moved in our lives at some point, right? We have a connection. We have a love for God because we have felt God's love for us. Now, here's the thing about this. Sometimes 
We love on the surface. Do you guys believe that? Sometimes we love on the surface. We say, I love you. I love you. Love you. You ever seen any kids do that? Love you. But when it gets hard, the love is over. Sometimes in, in young people's lives, they get the, okay, some adults too, you get those dreamy eyes for somebody and you think, oh man, I love her. Kind of like my wife. It took me a while to get her to think, to realize that I was the one for her. But I knew from the start. Sorry, honey, I had to pick on you. I ain't forgot about you. But if me saying that I loved her, if it stopped there and I didn't show it, would our marriage last? No. It would not. It would not last. If a friendship, if a friendship, if you say you love your friend, but when hard times come and you're not there, what does that friendship mean? And you know, sometimes I have to think, I've not been a good friend sometimes. But I want you to look at the example that God gives us in his word here. It said the four of them carried him. And they get up to the door. But the Bible tells us they can't get in. They can't get in. Kind of like a Black Friday shop and when they used to lock the doors. And y'all remember that? They didn't stay open all the time. They used to lock the doors and then like it. Five or six o'clock in the morning, they would open the doors and it was like cattle running in to get the deals and people fighting over Tickle Me Elmo's. And all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It happened. But they couldn't get in. And, you know, they could have gone back and said, you know, you know, we're sorry that you can't walk. You know, we brought you this far. We've done a lot for you. Reminding them of everything they've done. You know, we picked you up from your house. We carried you all the way over here to this house. And we've knocked on the door. We've tried to get in. But, but dude, I'm sorry. We ain't getting in today. I guess you're stuck. And then they could have left him there. But it said they didn't give up. They go on top of the roof and they tear the roof off. What would y'all think? What would y'all think right now if somebody tore the roof off of our church right now to bring somebody in because we were so packed? We'd be calling the police. Something's not right here. But Jesus didn't fuss at them for tearing the roof off. He commended them for the faith they had because they had a connection with their friend that didn't stop at the door. They made an effort, a strong effort, to do everything in their power to get their friend to Jesus. And I want you to know it paid off. It paid off. It starts talking about, they bring this paralyzed man. 
And they couldn't get to him, so they tear the roof off. And Jesus looks at him and says, they've lowered him in front of Jesus. Jesus sees their faith and he says to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. So their pal was this, their, their pal was this paralyzed man. They brought him before Jesus and he had a connection with Jesus because Jesus changed his life that day. He looks at him and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. But what he's leading it up to is, we're going to make, first of all, we're going to have a right relationship with one another. Then the needs that you have, I'm going to take care of. So we see here, Jesus talks to him, forgives him of his sins. And then, then the religious people start fussing. Wait a minute. You can't do this. This, this doesn't seem right. We're not getting any attention by this happening. You're getting all the attention. Only God can forgive sins. But who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. And then he starts telling them the truth. You know, it's just a matter of words. Which is easier? Son, your sins are forgiven. Or get up, take your bed, and go home. Jesus shares that, that awesome word that I'm sure that paralyzed man could not believe. But you know, it took faith to stand because what was wrong with him? He couldn't walk. So he, it says here, after Jesus says this to him, it says he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of him. In Luke chapter 5, it tells something else that, that Mark doesn't say. Because Mark just says he gets up, he he. He trusts God, he trusts Jesus, he gets up, and he goes home. But I want you to realize that Mark left out an important part that Luke picked up on. Luke says the same thing in verses 25 and 26. But this is something that's added in Luke. He went home praising God. So Jesus gives him the command, okay. They, I've seen your friend's faith. Do you have faith? Do you believe that I can change your life? If you do, then do what I say. Yes, your sins are forgiven. Or, so you better understand it. You can walk. Get up. Take your bed. Go home. Because your life's different now. And it said, he got up and he praised God. When something good happens to us, aren't we thankful? We're thankful for that. And that's what this man was. He had a life-changing experience. His friends had had a life-changing experience with Jesus. Now they've got a connection with their friend which makes them want, have that desire to want to change their friend's life. And the best way to change their friend's life is to bring them to who? 
Come on, people. Bring them to who? You don't have to be quiet in here. We'll get the turkey call out if we have to. Told you I'd get it in there somewhere. In case y'all didn't know, Hank's got a new turkey call. He's not allowed to get it out, but he's got a new one. But don't we want that to happen? We like when good things happen to us. And if we have friends and we want them to experience that, don't we get excited when the Lord changes their heart? We should. We should be excited. You know what? There's a lot of people not here tonight. There may be some people that you know that you could have invited tonight. There could be some people that I could have invited tonight. But we didn't. But we're here now. And we can change. And we can do what God would have us to do. Now, sometimes showing God's love to someone It may be the word you say. It may be an encouraging word or saying, I missed you or uh, is everything all right or I'm praying for you. It could be a kind deed. Is there something I can do for you? Maybe a call on the phone or maybe you, you went over, you brought them some food. You know, I know the ladies here do an awesome job When someone's lost family, they'll feed that family and show their love to them and and support them through a tough time. All God wants us to remember is to love Him and to love others. And these four guys, I believe they did that. They went above and beyond what most people, what most normal people would do to the point that They had to pay to have a roof fixed. Did they call you, Roger? (laughs) That's before your time, wasn't it? But they wasn't ashamed of Jesus. They knew the importance of Jesus and they wanted their friend to do it, to, to know that as well. Then something amazing happens. It goes on to say, you know, he got up and he walked away. But boy, I sure do like Luke's version where he went home praising God. Because that's what we should do when God does something awesome for us is to go home and tell everybody. But look what happened with... So God made a connection in, in the paralyzed man's life, but look what he did to the people. The people connection here. Right after that, verse 12 is pretty much where it it brings us to. In the King James, he's told him to to arise and go home. This is in Mark. It says, And immediately he rose up, took his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Let me read it. A little different to you. This is two different versions. Uh, let's see which one this is. Uh, 
Oh, no. Sorry, two different books. So this is NIV version. Mark says it this way. After he took up his bed and walked out in front of everybody, this is what the people said. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Luke says it pretty much the same way. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Do you think that sometimes we take for granted when somebody gets saved? Because do we really stand in awe? Are we really amazed at what God has done in somebody's life? Their life will never be the same, right? My life was never the same. Was your life ever the same? When we ask Jesus into our hearts, we're never alone anymore. We always have him with us. He's always there for us. Just want to touch a little bit on some things, some other scriptures. We're kind of done with, with our story here, but, but these friends cared about their friend, and they got him to Jesus. And then their friend was changed, and, and what the people saw there changed their attitude about God. And everybody is just having a revival praising the Lord in this one story that we talked about. We've seen the personal connection with the friends and Jesus. We've seen the pal connection because they love their friend. We've seen the people connection because they saw God at work through Jesus and through the healing. But let's go a little step farther. Let's step out of this story and into right now. Do you have a personal connection with Jesus? Now I know this is the Wednesday night crowd. But I don't want to take that for granted. And I don't know who may listen to this later on. So I... Listen, they don't let me up here very often, and I guess you know why. I talk a lot. But <laughs> I love you guys. That's why they keep me up there with the kids. They keep me locked up with duct tape up there. But back to the serious question. Do you have a personal connection with Jesus? I'm going to read a couple of scriptures relating to a personal connection. Then I want to break it down a little bit as to how we would talk to kids about it. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. And then you get into Romans 10. Verse 9 starts, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That scripture alone 
tells us we don't have to worry about our salvation. We can know we're saved right at the moment that Jesus touches our life. But let me break it down for you for how we deal with kids. If you were here when we had our Connect camp after service, when we, when we had that and we were talking about how amazing that camp was, and it was, and the youth are coming up, we're going to have, have their week next week, and I'm sure they'll have an awesome experience. And we'll talk about that in our prayer time, but we do need to keep them in our prayers. But we try to break this down as simple as possible. And listen, I'm not good with big words anyway half the time. That's why they let me work with kids. They know more words than I do. And when I don't know, I try to find somebody else and see if they know. Lori? Just kidding, Lori. But we ask them. You know, we talk about what it means to be saved. That sin, when it talks about sin, sin is the bad things that we do. That word sin, nobody really understands what that means. But it's actually two different things. It's the bad things that we do, or it's the good things that we don't do. Does that make sense to everybody here? So when we talk to kids about what sin is, this is what we tell them. And when they come and say, I want to get saved because they see all these other kids coming and getting saved, we ask them what they want to be saved from. And what breaks your heart is when they don't know. But when they don't know, you don't let them believe that they're saved. You tell them it's good that you're asking questions. And then we try to spend time with them to help them understand it still, but not to pressure them to make a decision. We say, let's pray about it. You think about it. And when you think you understand, if you want to come back and talk about it, we will. I promise you that we never push a kid to get saved. We always want them to know the truth because, listen, if we push a kid to get saved... There's no saving that happens there. They're still lost. Do you know that? Because if we give them, it's just like if you take a test and the teacher gives you the answers. Let's, Tara gives you the answers to the test she's going to give. You've not earned a grade. You cheated. You're not any smarter than you were when you came in the room. But if you studied and you took the test, and you understood what it meant, you've gained knowledge from it, and you've probably got a decent grade from that test. When you're saved, you have to understand what that means, what you're being saved from, because if you don't, it won't last. And when kids or adults, either one, when you're making a commitment with Jesus, you need to understand what that's all about. I'm not here to, to make it complex if you've done something bad, you need forgiveness from that. And the only one that can forgive you of the bad thing that you've done or the good thing that you've not done is Jesus. Now here's where you, it gets a little bit more tricky 
But it doesn't have to be. Kids, they're eager to learn. And it doesn't have to be complex. You basically let them know, listen, if, if, you, if you have done something bad, you ask them what it is. And if they tell you, you say, well, what you need to do if you want to be saved is you ask God to forgive you of that. And what happens is when you pray and you ask God to forgive you of that bad thing that you've done, because that's usually what kids relate to is pushing their sister or putting gum in somebody, their mom's hair. You don't even know some of the things that they come up with. And that's just adults. No, I'm just kidding. But when you find out that they've done something bad and they want to ask Jesus to forgive them, all you tell them is, listen, Jesus will forgive you of that. And what the Bible says is that he loves you. And that's how come he can forgive you. He loves you. He wants that relationship with you. So you ask him to forgive you. Then you ask him to come into your heart and to be part of your life. Because you've confessed, again, you've confessed that you've done something bad. You believe that Jesus loves you. And, And how does Jesus love you? He died on the cross to pay for your sins, for the bad things that you do. When you ask Jesus into your heart to forgive you of that bad thing, and you know that He loves you and that He's alive today, the script, what does the Scripture say at the end? You are saved. When you believe that. Do you guys believe that? I can't say it any plainer than that. So if someone's out there tonight that doesn't know that, there you go. Your life can change tonight. Our life can change to be better friends, make better connections, to bring more people to know Jesus. God gives us this, these commands. We're talking about friend connections and people connections now. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus gives the great commission. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He's basically saying there's two ways. You can trust God and and live with Him or don't trust Him and go with the devil. You know, I don't have the scripture at hand, but it talks about the wide gate and the narrow gate and how the wide gate leads you on a path to destruction, but the narrow gate leads you to life, leads you to a life with Jesus. And very few find it. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But sanctify the the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Do you have a personal connection with Jesus? 
Have you helped others find a connection with Jesus? And we just read the scriptures for that. The last thing. Are you committed to your connection with Jesus? That persistent connection. In John 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus uses an illustration. He's talking about a plant. And this is what the scripture says. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And here's the verse that everybody probably knows. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, how do we remain connected to Jesus? Prayer, reading our Bibles, fellowship with one another. These are ways to do that. And when we grow in Jesus, we bear fruit. It said that one fruit of the Spirit is made up of several different things. But what's the first part of the fruit that it talks about? Anybody know? Love. For the the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's one fruit that we're supposed to eat every day in connecting with other people. We're supposed to show all those attributes, all those pieces of what God wants for us so that we can be a good example of Him to others. I've always heard this, and it is so true. You might be the only Jesus somebody sees. And let me tell you something. There's people that look. Most of the time they're looking for, for the splinter in, in your eye, and they forget about the log in theirs. That's, the Bible talks about that too. But what if they saw compassion? What if they saw compa- some kindness you know why these kids love to go to camp for some it's the best week they ever have sometimes it's the only time someone shows that they care and when when we show that we care they open up to us Make that connection. Make that connection with someone in your life. Because don't we want everybody to know Jesus? Don't we want it to be at some point that this building is so full that the trustees get scared that somebody's going to tear the roof off? This, this is not the church. This is the building. We're the church. And there's no walls to this kind of church. Let us, be, let us stay connected to God. 
let us take those connections we have and use those opportunities to share Him with others and hopefully reach more people for Him. I fail so many times at that. I try, but I fail. But you know what? I can't think about tomorrow while I'm living today. I have to live my life for God today first. Then if He gives me the morning, guess what I get to do all over again? I get to think about God that day and to love Him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for for the patience of the people here tonight, Lord, putting up with me, God. But Lord, I thank You for Your Word. Thank You for for the spirit that's in this place tonight, God, and for us just to be able to talk about you and and how much you love us and how much of a difference you can make in in people's lives. Thank you for, for all that you do, God. Be with us, Lord, as we continue with our prayer time. Uh, Lord, that we'll, we'll voice our concerns to you, God, and, and trust you in all that we do. In Jesus' name. Amen.